Radio Aspiral is a series of podcasts brought to you across the internet by TIPM Media. Presented by investigative journalist Mick Rooney, it covers a host of topics from international media, publishing, aviation, and technology. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. Here we go for episode 5 of Radio Spile. Today we're talking publishing, self-publishing, printing and technology. We have a great guest for you coming up. I'll talk to you in just a second. took a lengthy break over the uh, summer we're back now into the autumn and uh, I know from people in the uh, northern hemisphere we're going into autumn people from the southern hemisphere good luck to you you're going into your summer Uh, today we will be talking as I say publishing self-publishing printing and technology and we have a great guest in Kevin Spall who is the CEO and president of Thompson Shore and we'll be talking to him very very shortly is a series of podcasts brought to you across the internet by TIPM Media. Presented by investigative journalist Mick Rooney, it covers a host of topics from international media, publishing, aviation, and technology. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. 
Okay, very shortly we'll be joined by uh, Kevin Spall, uh, who is the um, CEO and president, not the president, uh, perhaps a discussion for another day. He's the president of uh, Thompson Shore. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Thompson Shore just before we talk to Kevin. Uh, Thompson Shore was founded in 1972. It's located in Dexter, Michigan, USA. Uh, Thompson Shore has 100% uh, employee-owned uh, ownership. Uh, it's a full-service uh, book manufacturing, printing, publishing, uh, production and distribution company. The company specializes in fulfilling the needs of uh, book publishers and authors uh, from author's initial Word document to the end reader. Their business solutions span the entire publishing uh, supply chain. Uh, publishers of all types and sizes, that's authors, self-publishers, independent publishers, trade publishers, religious organizations and universities benefit um, from their services, uh, which is short to medium run uh, digital and offset book publishing. That includes uh, Case and Perfect, Binding, uh, Layout and Design, Editorial Reviews, ISBN Acquisition, uh, ebook conversion, marketing of your book, full service distribution and fulfillment. Um, really, this is, a, I suppose, a, a continuation of uh, the, the themes that we've been discussing in the previous two episodes uh, with uh, Linda and Mark. Um, so, look, as always, the best thing to do is let's go straight to Kevin and talk to him. Okay, welcome back, uh, Radio Spoil, and I'm delighted that uh, Kevin Spoil has joined us from Thompson Shore. We're going to be discussing uh, publishing, self-publishing, printing, and various technologies around that. Uh, Kevin, I'm delighted you could join us. Thank you, Mick. I'm uh, I'm honored and uh, very pleased to be on with you. Thank uh, you. It's 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 great to to have you. Um, I suppose where I start with all of our guests um, in in every episode is is more a, a sort of slow introduction to the person because people you know straight away are asking now who who's Kevin you know um, you know what's uh, Thompson Shore obviously I, I've I've already spoken about uh, uh, the the business of uh, Thompson Shore so maybe. To start with, let's let's concentrate on a little bit about you. Uh, your your first of all, where are you from? You're you're from Michigan. I'm not. I um I grew up in upstate New York, outside of Rochester, um, relatively small suburb of a relatively large city, probably about five or six hours outside of New York, north of uh, New York City. Um, grew up there and uh, moved on from uh, Rochester and, and went into college around the, uh, the Pittsburgh uh, area of Pennsylvania. So that's my roots, but I've popped around the East Coast from Manhattan to Cleveland and, and now uh, residing outside of Detroit uh, in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, let's, let's move on a little bit. That, that, that was your, your growing up. Um, and I suppose we 
we all move into the area of of your your career what what got you into this business is this where you started out uh, you know it's it's an interesting path I guess I, I never intended to to end up on the publishing print distribution side of of the industry I when I grew up um, I really grew up out of the art of of um, of my life at that time so I was a constant uh, drawing painting I, I always say that I, I spent most of my free hours copying album covers from the Moody Blues and the Doors and Sgt. Peppers all mm -hmm. through the 70s and, and 80s um, so I, I went uh, into uh, art school and um, went into a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in graphic design and upon graduation couldn't find a job in design and, and went into the printing business. Actually, my grandfather was a print sales rep uh, for a company in, so it's in, in New York. And, uh, it's, in, it's in the blood. I it's didn't know blood. that uh, until that time, which is funny. It, um, after I had decided to go into printing, um, I found out my grandfather had been printing for, for 40 years. I just never had that conversation with him. So it was pretty neat how that lined up. So I came in through the kind of the craft side, the art side. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then moved into technology. So early on in my careers when, uh, in fact, I was just talking to my daughter last night, um, I was working in uh, programs like Ready, Set, Go and PageMaker and early versions of Quark Express mm -hmm. and then, of course, InDesign, uh, which my, my daughter's learning uh, uh, now in terms of laying out laying out books. So I had that, the pleasure and the experience of um desktop publishing coming to the the world in the in the 90s and 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 moving so quickly so i got caught up in all that technology on the print side and loved it and um and that moved me on in my career and and uh, just have always loved the print side and then of course as time went on we got more into the publishing side and the two kind of have melded from the mm -hmm. thompson short perspective when you talk about that sort of more art-based side when you when you went to college when uh, as you were growing up uh did the writing bug ever bite did you ever consider going into that area i didn't i and i'm embarrassed to say i didn't even read that much at the time i was so busy living life and and painting um so I, I didn't consider so vi visual art was was more of a, an aspect where you were coming from when you were younger Absolutely. Uh, primarily drawing, painting, and then and then as I went into college, I got into sculpture, um, and and it was really the physical art that um, that I was most passionate about, and that to a great extent influences my my role today. Well, and, know, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. We've we put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the way the book looks and feels and smells and and all those things that. Uh, I believe have an emotional reaction to the reader, so it's. Uh, I think those early days really have helped form our approach to the the indie market at, at Thompson Shore, no question. In a, in a, but I, I, as I moved through my my um, career progression, uh, my early years in printing were all around the the general commercial market, mm -hmm. very high end printing for um, Cadillac and Mercedes, and and that's where I learned. The art of printing, the real, the high quality art of printing, and then I, I went to work for Donnelly and got exposed to to books 
in in New York City and working with publishers in the early 2000s, and that's that's kind of what lit the fire of yeah. publishing and, and literature in me at that time. We're we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Thompson Shaw uh, very shortly, but in a more broader general sense, um, I just want to without getting too much into the Thompson Shore story, which, as I say, we're going to talk about very shortly, but just your your general views on the industry and, the I suppose, the history and the, the rise of self-publishing today as it was previously. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I moved into the publishing side, publishing print side of the industry, as I said, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, and that was when self-publishing was still very, very small percentage. There wasn't a lot of it happening. There, there were some, certainly, ways to get your book self-published, but at the time it was pretty traditional model of publishing. And, um, and, and it was booming at that time, in, in the 90s and, and early 2000s. The, the publishing market was strong. Um, um, uh, there, there were record years for printed book matter, and uh, I think when when things really started to um, change in terms of people thinking of new models, I, as I recall, it was when Stephen King brought out um, his first ebook, um, uh, the the Silver Bullet, I think, mm-hmm. or something of that nature, and and then people started thinking about this new kind of direct to reader model you know is that certainly in ebooks that was that was happening and that's when people started to play around with it on the print side and, and really it was ingram and, and lightning source that started that in in terms of full scale and i was fortunate enough at, at uh, after my time in in new york uh, to go work with with the folks at ingram um early on in the in the mid 2000s in lightning source and uh, and that's that's when things really started to take off. Um, the The process worked in terms of an, an author to reader workflow, and um, and it was repeatable, uh, and and it was um, it was becoming a viable, actually very strategic model for um, for new authors and small publishers and some large publishers in terms of uh, their deep backlist. So. I think it was the creation of the um, digital print and the distribution coming together in the mid 2000s where that self-publishing model really started to take off and and then once it did of course it just it blew up from there and continues to uh, I suppose one of the major lines of definition that that when I talk to authors when I I, I talk to publishers publishing services is I suppose not all Printers, publishers, self-publishing service providers—you know—are created equal, uh, and, and that's something we've we've learned uh, uh, throughout this industry. And, and we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about a, a case study of that later on in this interview. But just as we move now to Thompson Shaw, tell me a little bit about the the history of of. Thompson Shaw, because you guys have been around a long, long time. We have. The, the company started in 1972. Um, Ned Thompson and Harry Shore, 
And uh, Ned, Ned and Harry founded the company uh, primarily to service the university press market. And I think the reason why that's so relevant is even back then that was kind of considered the short run print market and a very high quality standards for university presses. So we started kind of with that expectation, working in small batch, very high quality, very high service. All through the 70s, the company grew. In the 80s, we began to get into more trade-type publishing and, and religious uh, publishers, continued to, grew, to grow. And, um, and through the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s, really, the, the height of the growth for the company was in uh, 2008, just before the recession, uh, where we were, were hitting uh, our highest revenue um, the most customers um, at that time we had worked with, with which was in the thousands, and um, always kind of specialized with high-quality product, high-quality service, always in the print-only realm. Mm -hmm. So we really... We, we were working directly with authors then, all through the 70s and 80s, but we didn't call it self-publishing. It was, it was called vanity publishing at the mm. time, and it was... It was really more about uh, uh, authors who had completed project and they were bringing it to us to, to print. We weren't involved in any of the upfront um, publishing service. And that really uh, happened post-recession when we woke up with everyone else in the world and tried to figure out what we were going to do. This would have been uh, around sort of 2006 to 2008 when things really started to get difficult. Yeah, I would say really 2008, of course, is when it really hit home hard. Um, we we lost about 20% of our, our top-line sales, along with most printing companies in the States. And that lasted through 2009. And um, we had to decide what we wanted to do to, to, to not just kind of get our, our revenue stabilized, but we, at the same time, were looking at this industry that was going through this tremendous transformation. Uh, Ebooks just came out, and then, mm -hmm. of course, self-publishing was beginning to boom. At this time, there were hundreds of thousands of titles per year in the states that were were being published directly from authors. That number now is about a million a year. Um, so, it, it, it the, the industry at large was changing, and we recognized that. So that's when we started to think about taking um, publishing services more seriously and then later adding the distribution services along with the complement of, of um, our, our print platform. And, and I think that, not to jump forward in the conversation, but right now one of the things I, I think is a unique tool in self-publishing in, in terms of, of a successful title is uh, relying on both digital print and offset print. Yeah, that's an important uh, factor, isn't it? Because an awful lot of self-published authors don't realize that. Because I always say to an author, okay, uh, you know, they, they've done the manuscript, they, they've done their research, they've, they've, you know, whether they've gone to the independent publishing magazine, they've went to Alloy, they, you know, they, they've, they've got the whole picture. They make that choice as to how they want to do this, how much involvement they have to give uh, on the more technical and design aspects. Uh, they pretty quickly realize that uh, a marketing plan is, is fundamental and long before the book is ever available. 
Um, just just talk to me a little bit about how how that's that's changed because that sort of moved us on from the the vanity aspect of uh, as you mentioned now the the digital short runs and litho and just for our listeners you know obviously there was a time in the industry prior to what we call digital printing and when we talk about digital printing we're not talking necessarily about ebooks we're talking about you know a process of technology that come along that allows guys like you um, uh, people like Lightning Source, the whole Ingram program to essentially supply books one at a time on demand rather than the old style the way publishers used to work where it's like okay we've got Joe Bloggs uh, with a new book uh, he's not Stephen King so we are not going to do a half a million or one million first print run um, uh, maybe we only project sales wise that at best you know in the first six to twelve months they might sell five thousand books but of course we've moved on now with, with digital short run technology because it allows an author um, to sell you know one copy at a time on demand there isn't necessarily if not required a warehouse that has several hundred or several thousand books um, but going back to this point I, I made at the start of this which, which is really important now for marketing authors you know they love this idea of, of the whole print on demand technology over the last the development of it over the last 20 years but fundamentally authors marketing still needs to adopt some of the traditional methods of marketing so uh, I'd say to an author who comes to me okay that's great you've got your book set up and now your marketing plan but look if you're gonna go to a bookstore if you're gonna hold a physical event somewhere you still need physical books you can't market without physical books you still need physical books to send to reviewers to send to influencers so just talk to me a little bit about you know what you've discovered uh, from your position with Thompson Shaw uh, all around that. Well, I, I absolutely agree with just about all the points you made. Um, I I do agree entirely that digital print, short run, uh, and or print on demand uh, is really a, allowed this whole new. Mm-hmm segment of the industry to, to not only be viable but to, to flourish where I see authors being most successful is when they're in the stage even 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 some who are still writing um, but certainly when you're getting into editorial and beginning to work your marketing plan which which I believe is the most important tool for a successful uh, book launch and, and successful book uh, sales. As you're developing that marketing tool, the natural question, as you said, Nick, is to mm-hmm. say, okay, how many of these books do I think I'm going to sell? Is this a memoir that only my friends and family are going to mm-hmm. buy and it's 100 copies? Or is this a, a memoir that also has a, a, a professional aspect to it that uh, perhaps engineers will also be interested in that might sell 2,000 copies. That that decision alone... I don't understand would, that, yeah. 
that, that understanding that and, and talking it out with your editor, um, your book coach, that decision alone can send you in the direction of digital print, print on demand, or a, an offset run of a thousand or fifteen hundred. And and the reason why I think that's so important is the price point between printing that book on print on demand might be because there's a sig- there's a significant cutting point, isn't there? And it's it's kind of it's come down at one stage. I think the cutoff point was you know it, it could have been five thousand copies, two thousand copies. It's a lot less than that now. I think there's a there's a core. And I think the last time I sort of analysed this industry was. I felt it was maybe in and around the 800 mark of of a room. Yeah, I, I, and it, I would. It, it might even have been. It might even have dropped from that now. I, I think for paperback books, soft cover books, we typically see the mark a little bit lower than 800, but not much. Maybe six or 700. For case bound books, hardcover books, that crossover point is probably oh, closer wow, to yeah, two or three hundred. Yeah. 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 So, so I think having that upfront discussion um, um, can influence what path you take from a printing standpoint. That said, to mole to be able to take advantage of both, we we printed a, a published and printed a book um, uh, called uh, Black Man in the White House, where I, I really think that publisher um, utilized the best of digital printing and the best of offset printing. To, to meet the demand and gain the most financial benefit. Exactly. Um, it, what I, it's not an either or. They, absolutely. It, it, this goes back to so many times I have to you know, say to an author, look, the business has developed with so many print opportunities, marketing opportunities. Nothing is an either or. You can complement so many things together. I think uh, using digital print, whether it be print on demand or ultra short run, to do advanced reader copies mm-hmm. for reviews, to do that initial launch of 100 or 200 copies, get that into the market, start to satisfy demand. And, and if you see that demand growing um, to the extent that you had expected, or it may even be a surprise, to take that and shoot that over onto a, a litho offset platform. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's that's an ideal scenario, and then when the book starts to slow down, you go back Switch over to back. digital print. Yeah, yeah it, it 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 should should really all of that should be in the picture of a successful uh, production uh, for a book. Planning process. Just let's let's talk a little bit more about Thompson Chair. One of the things I was fascinated with in regards its history. And you haven't spoken about it up till now, but but I, I want you to talk a little bit as to what was going on at the time. Um, I suppose essentially, am I right that Thompson Shaw started as kind of like a, a family-owned business initially, like like many businesses expanded, but ultimately something significant happened, and I feel this is reflective, perhaps of. Um, a lot of businesses in America that that look at this model of employer ownership, employer much more employer involvement, and, and and in a more general sense of business in the United States now, can you just talk to me a little bit about how that came about with Thompson Shore? 
Sure. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It started as a as a privately held, um, uh, family owned, if you will, uh, with uh, with Ned and Harry, and they grew it like that through the 70s, 80s, and and they ran the company very much as a family owned company. The culture was very inclusive. Um, everything from um, having having lunch with employees every day to, to picnics on, on many various weekends and and uh, when Ned and Harry were, were preparing to retire they were considering their options they could have sold the company to any number of uh, of printing companies whether that be Donnelly or Quad or any yeah. any number uh, at the time uh, but they they didn't want that they wanted it to remain kind of that family culture sure yeah so they uh, they they did the work and 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 at this time, this was in the mid '80s. Uh, they decided to sell the company to uh, uh, to the employees, and that was something relatively new at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they they did that in the mid '80s. The, the the employees over a period of time, up until actually the um, uh, the recession, the height of the recession, ironically enough, is when the the company went 100% employee owned, and uh, and has been uh, since. Uh, but as a result, there's, as you said, an incredible engagement from employees. Everyone really cares about uh, what we're doing here at the company. And where where most people see it is when you come in for a tour, uh, the employees are, are really very engaging with, with customers and prospective customers. Everyone takes a lot of pride in what they do here. It's something more and more that I'm seeing... Um, companies but this was something and I don't know when you started the, the, the sort of uh, the, the, the sort of uh, let's call it the factory tour the manufacturing tour for, for be it bigger clients be it just getting assembling some authors together this was something that I noted and, and maybe it's the case in the US but I noted it more in the UK that more of my you know companies like um uh, CPI, Anthony Rowe, um, uh, Troubadour, Malador, we're, we're getting more into that. In having open days where they invite authors in to say, "Look, this is here's the machines. This is the process. Here's how we 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 do it." And and these were obviously companies that were getting more and more into publishing services beyond just the the the, the idea of print getting into you know areas of of, of where it was distribution uh, channels marketing and i think it's an amazing thing that so many companies have have sort of figured that out that the importance of the one-on-one aspect are having a group tour within their you know so just talk to us a little bit because like i said you, you've been doing that for quite a while now yeah yeah you know i i think the the, one of the hardest things that an, that an author has to contend with if they decide they want to self-publish mm-hmm. is is just knowing what to do and where to go. And, and there are so many false starts in terms of, uh, of, of information available on the web and, uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. These, the, what, I, what I often call pop-up publishers that, yeah. that are willing to take author's money. So, so an author has to kind of cut through all that junk and often they 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 get routed down a bad path so 
having an opportunity to talk one-on-one with an author or a group of authors to explain to them the process and how it works really under one roof everything from how how the design and editorial stage uh, happens or could happen through this discussion we had about digital print versus Mm -hmm. offset print and then distribution of course course which is a huge issue marketing having that opportunity to explain one-on-one and in kind of an intimate manner is is incredibly beneficial to the author and uh, and i think obviously it, it gives us a chance to show authors why a more professional approach to self-publishing uh, it, it warrants their attention versus say a, a do-it-yourself uh, through ingram or or through create space yeah. which which you know to be fair um like i said uh, as a proviso at the start of this you know n- not all self-publishing service companies you know are are equal and, and, and built the same um you know and, and i agree that that goes for printers and equally not all authors can fully take on what's required to fully manage a book project and all the aspect with they are essentially the publisher managing that project and absolutely moving forward and understanding all the so it's understandable um so you know it's fine for you know whether you go to directly with with lightning stores who kind of were, were, were the original of of what ultimately shifted over and became um ingram spark as a, as a mm-hmm. dedicated you know small press um function for 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 small publishers for self-published authors but not every author every author i always believe brings their own set of tools and knowledge to a project it might be that they worked in marketing or pr themselves they can best handle that side or appreciate it more they may have come from the print or design industry themselves or they may just simply be an author who likes to write but really isn't quite sure beyond that uh, of the design preparing a book file and that's why it's so important that you work with professionals whether it's an editor a book designer you know formatters you know so it's great that we have all those sort of services out there but i still think there's a huge importance for what i suppose broadly we would call one-stop shop publishing shops you know where you know you can get as many services as you need under the one roof if you don't need that you don't need that that's fine but what you require is there in one place rather than you know if you if you work with ingram or if you work directly with let's say you're just publishing an, an ebook uh sure you can go to amazon you can go to smashwords you can go to Kobo, but you're dealing with a huge amount of platforms accounts you're managing everything and you know there's something to be said for the one-stop shop approach yeah i i would agree i i think um when when we take on a project on the from a publishing through distribution the the ability to manage that all under one roof um one stage influences the next meaning our publishing team can can begin to start talking about the print aspects of the project as early as as is desired by the author in terms of 
what type of materials, what format size, and and really be the um, uh, the, the coordinator and the partner for the author in that case. And then, of course, I, 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 the the probably the most Im- I, I struggle to say the most <laughs> important but distribution. Obviously, you can you can write a fantastic book. It can look beautifully printed, but if you can't get it get it out there to people, distributed, yeah, um, and and without question that last mile if you will uh, of getting the book from the printing company to the distributor at the time at which the book needs to release um, that's always that last sprint that often if you're working with different partners uh, you can miss that window and and then of course if you miss that window with with Amazon or any number of distributors you may not get back into that window for some time so having that all under one roof can be very, very convenient. But I absolutely agree with your your point, Mick. Um, the great thing I think about where the industry is right now from a, a self-publishing indie standpoint is there's this tremendous range of option for the author from from the CreateSpace and, and Ingram offerings all the way up to kind of that one-stop shop, which um, uh, which is which we're offering as as our others. Um, we know obviously that the industry of independent publishing historically vanity publishing has its darker aspects I suppose like like any industry there are good guys bad guys so-so guys and let's move a little bit towards our our case study Um, that recently was in the news well, be, uh, as a preamble to that, um, you know the, the idea of vanity presses and the darker side of publishing. You and I have been in this a long time. You probably a lot longer than I have, uh, and there are bad stories out there that give authors a bad perception of self-publishing. Some of it entirely understandable. Um, and some of it utterly unforgivable that give you guys and what you're trying to do a bad name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree, and I, I, um, I wish that it it wasn't as as prolific mm-hmm. as it is in the industry. Um, but there there are there are organizations that maybe they don't intend to. Uh, uh, lead people down a, a, a dark path, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, they end up doing that, and, and it's sad to, to see so many authors that pour years mm-hmm. of time and passion and emotion into writing manuscript, and um, and then to a certain extent, right now, if an author is not finding resources like independent publishing magazine to, to vet then they're going with maybe a friend of a friend who happens mm-hmm. to know a publisher and the next thing you know they're handing over 3500 bucks and and um, and hoping that this person is legitimate and and uh, everyone who's written a book knows that that's a very emotional process when you mm-hmm. give that manuscript over and and you're expecting a certain process in terms of design and editorial and that 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 starts to happen and um, I've spoken to to so many authors now where they 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 have kind of the same story where initially 
there are there are designs that are discussed, maybe even some comps that are sent over, and and then it's supposed to go into the editorial phase, and and sure enough, things start taking longer, and 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 people no longer are answering the phone, and then it goes to email, and and um, and then months later, the website is is offline. So it goes offline, and suddenly it's yeah. like we're gone. Good luck. Um, I suppose that and then and then sadly many of these authors have have signed contracts that have have signed away their rights to their mm -hmm. content so that the the irony is now they can't get their their legal rights back to to publish that book elsewhere it's it's a real slippery slope and, and it's it's, uh, it's one of the biggest questions as a publishing consultant I get is you know okay look I maybe didn't research this enough as I should I made some mistakes okay that's fine we all make mistakes but they're faced in a situation with as we'll talk about with our, with our case study is how the hell do I extract myself from this mess that that occurred you know talk to us a little bit about um Tanya isn't it Tanya Bell yes Tanya, Tanya talk Bell. to us a little bit about how that came out that that's got quite a uh, quite a bit of of, of coverage uh, in the United States uh, perhaps not quite as much worldwide but certainly within the United States T tell us how that all came about so it's not dissimilar to the to the, the story I outlined Tanya yeah. had written a book um, uh, kind of a, a memoir to her, her husband who had passed a sort of a love and story of a husband who passed away yeah that's right that's right and um, it was it was part of the grieving process for her to write this book and and uh and obviously put put her her soul into mm -hmm. it and spent a lot of time um, um preparing that manuscript uh, researched her her publisher uh, decided to go with a publisher signed an agreement and um sadly that that's just what happened is is uh, uh things started taking longer to get done she was promised uh, any number of revisions of designs and editorial, and uh, sadly, uh, Tanya ended up uh, spending about a year and a half in that process of, of thinking that her book was getting published, when in fact, I suspect very little was being done, mm -hmm. until she just couldn't get anyone on the phone anymore, and, and uh, uh, that company, Green Ivy, um, uh, is no longer in business and and actually um we found out through through our uh, media here in the states what had happened to tanya and we reached out to her and said that we could help and we'd be happy to help and and the the um the interesting after fact is that we we found we were introduced to a group on facebook that uh, has a page of all of these authors from that publisher who are in similar situation mm -hmm. Many of them can't get their, their books back. Um, many of them don't have final manuscript. The, the real tragedy is that some of these books are online and still being sold and, and, and money is being collected and they're not seeing any of and it. And it's not funneling uh, back to the author. It's not funneling back to the author. Um, and in some cases, it's a, it's a, it's a significant amount of money. It's a, it's a real... A real tragedy in in the making, and and I wish I could say that that was an isolated incident, um, but it's not, and and that really points to the 
the, the, the pitfall for an author when you're starting is how do you find the right partner? How do you, how do you cut through the clutter of, uh, of Google to find somebody who yeah. you can trust? Google is actually your best friend. <laughs> who yeah, isn't right. always quite your best friend. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a, it can be a, a very daunting task, and and I think um, authors who have finished their manuscript or think they've finished the manuscript, they want to get that into the next stage as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And 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 really, I guess that's when you have to take pause, do your research, find organizations that can help you, uh, find the right partners for what you're looking to do. It, it takes time, um, and and sadly, there are a lot of people out there that uh, um, that are not uh, doing their best to advance that that um, that part of the industry let's move on to some of the future developments at Thompson Shore so kind of like where you are now we've talked an awful lot about the history of the company where you are now and maybe where you're moving towards but in particular I want you to talk a little bit about this um, uh, book Oktoberfest and I suppose this touches as well on the whole idea of what we talked about about transparency and uh, open days but talk to me a little bit about uh, Book Oktoberfest and what that's about for, for all sure. of us and for Thompson Shore mm -hmm. we um, you know we, we we recognize the author community is is massive it's growing the, the future uh, very viable, very large portion of the, the publishing industry will be and will continue to grow in the indie methods, self-publishing methods. So we believe, although we, we do a tremendous amount of business with large publishers, we believe that the author, direct-to-reader mm -hmm. workflow will continue to grow. So we're looking for ways to engage that community directly, educate them as to what's available in terms of a, a higher uh, quality product, uh, both in terms of content development and, and printing and distribution. So we, we thought about having a, um, uh, an event where we celebrated the, the author and we celebrated books. And so in, uh, in late October, uh, we're having the Booktoberfest event here in, at our, our facility in which we're inviting uh, publishing professionals from around the, the states, authors. Um, we've, we've got um, uh, people from uh, uh, as high as, as Random House all the way down to uh, very, very self, uh, successful self-publishers mm -hmm. coming to speak and talk to authors about the process talk to authors about what they should should research uh, pitfalls uh, areas they've stumbled areas they've had success and uh, so we're taking the day having those discussions and we're also uh, um, offering authors a chance to pitch to a panel of uh, publishing professionals in which we will will pick a, a title to publish um, uh, for for that author and in, 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 uh, in a uh, a manner that would not require them to to pay upfront fees event uh, of uh, on the publishing side, so that'll be a pitch opportunity for authors uh, with with uh, publishing professionals, and then of course we've got a, a two hundred thousand square foot facility that will be giving tours and talking about how books are made and. Um, and then we've got some fun things like uh, beer and brats and yoga and all kinds of fun things. I, I suppose to, to reflect, 
and, and one thing I've always felt is maybe less so now than it was maybe five years ago um, the traditional established end of the, of the publishing industry has slowly but surely and when I say the traditional end I, I'm not just talking about publishers I'm also talking about you know um, marketers um, literary agents uh, as well as publishers but there's much much more of an embrace of the whole self-publishing community happening now that wasn't happening before although having said that I would qualify it to say that um, some of the larger trade fairs um, book expo you're probably more familiar with the London Book Fair, Frankfurt. Um, for a time, we're embracing an awful lot of that, where there was whole sections within those fairs to encompass the self-publishing community. I, I don't know what your feelings are, and this is just a general, I, I'm throwing this out. Have you felt that maybe that's slipped a little bit recently in a way that it was much, much more a functional part you know, I, I felt that at the London Book Fair, um, and I actually stopped going two or three years ago because more, uh, and I, I went there as a publishing consultant, but broadly because so many of my clients were self-published authors, but I felt that it's um, it slipped away a little bit more, and, and at those fairs, and I respect that they are ultimately trade um trade organized for the trade for booksellers for publishers but i just felt that maybe there's been a little bit of a slip in the last year or two slightly more maybe longer uh, that, mm -hmm. that it's been pushed a little bit back out into the fringe in a sense that we made some gains in the last five or ten years but there's a little bit of a push back and you get this mantra from publishers as well and on organizations that reflect the publishing trade that oh well look you know that that e whole ebook thing you know it's not quite what it used to be and you know and we're back to I feel the mantra of print 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 you know mm -hmm. I I certainly agree that um, uh, the the ebook rush to uh, the utopian mm. environment is definitely. Uh, in the last few years subsided significantly and we have seen a return of traditional publishers to print no question about yeah. it what I've been excited about is that there 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 seems to be now more than ever uh, but it's been growing uh, emphasis on the cover of a book if it's a case bound book the embellishments using more foil stamping and embossing and and even on uh, soft cover books uh, the same uh, whether it be spot varnish applications or UV coating so that I would agree with you there's there's been a, a return to print is where the majority of sales are coming from mm -hmm. let's focus on print ebooks have kind of found its place kind of like audio it's it's in that 20 25 percent yeah. range of leadership and it's going to stay there and, and for so long in the industry we had you know talk about you know ebooks would eventually be 50 percent or potentially more 
and I think a lot of us had some reservations that quite you know ebooks were gonna get to that level and it does seem yeah. to have settled at around the 20 to 25 percent of the market yeah and the publishers I talk to seem to be pretty content with that I, yeah. I don't hear I I travel all over the states and in the UK and I don't hear a lot of publishers trying to go out of their way to figure out how to grow ebook it's just kind of there yeah. it's at that mark it's gonna they're gonna continue to continue to support it but um, there there certainly is a return to let's get serious about our print books and and how we're producing them in terms of the the self-publishing label um, I I think that it's it's certainly more widely accepted today as as uh, not only viable but a a, a, a um, in some cases preferred route mm -hmm. for authors. Uh, the number I keep hearing, uh, just as an aside, the number of books accepted by agents or publishers through agents or directly, number of manuscripts accepted is still only about five percent, no more than ten percent. There's a lot of books that are available for publication that mm -hmm. publishers and agents just aren't going to take ninety percent um, in in that in that regard. So, so you can't you can't deny that um, self-publishing that's a, a wonderful route to get these books into the marketplace. I think where I'm where I'm trying to envision the next how does self-publishing go to the next level, and that's when. I think that will happen when books when books become more professional, when authors are thinking harder about how their marketing plan is going to influence sales, and when when self-published books go from selling hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands, that's when the industry at, at whole is mm. going to have to accept that it's not and not, it's not just a small segment. Yeah, it's, it's not an aberration. Yeah, it's and we see that now with some of the, the some of the books that we self publish are are fortunate enough to sell in the in the thousands, in some cases tens of thousands, and um, now retailers have to take notice because that's demand, and and retailers and and distributors and wholesalers want to be able to feed that demand. So, with the success of self published books in the marketplace, it will it will force the industry to take it very seriously and and I have no no doubt that that's just going to happen in the in the ongoing evolution of, of self-publishing um, we're now talking to more and more professional authors and that what we haven't talked a lot about is that the role of the author's platform in mm -hmm. in marketing and selling books and I'm talking to to authors now that have 25 to 50,000 some when you pull into Instagram some have upwards to 100,000 followers mm. that is um, that is a tremendous resource to tap into uh, to sell books so um, I, I think as those professional authors figure out and become more sophisticated about how to market and, and get their books to their platform uh, these books are going to sell 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 copies more regularly. And when that happens, the industry is going to have to take the, the self-publishing segment 
um, very, very seriously in, in all regards, whether that be trade shows or terms that are set up uh, for authors specifically um, 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 to, to go direct to readers. Bookstores, I think right now, are really missing an opportunity. Independent bookstores, certainly in the States, uh, still do not see self-published books as, uh, as something they want to be a big part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they, they have to figure out that the independent bookstores across the States and, and the globe um, should be thinking about how do we embrace this author-to-reader workflow um, and, and, uh, and become a part of it rather than ignore it some of that has to do with the, the quality of the content or the, the way the book looks. Mm-hmm. But as that matures, I think the independent book to get in line with uh, with the indie author. And I think we, we've seen some great developments that, that kind of answer one of the problems for uh, booksellers. Uh, obviously, I, I know a lot, a lot of independent booksellers are, are open to, you know hosting you know evenings where you know you have self-published authors there you know signing and selling books and an awful lot more independent publishers are becoming more open to that and going oh wow we can actually sell some books here and and stock some books and i suppose one of the other aspects of that although it's never quite taken off in the way I I, i think it was expected was the espresso book machines I know the American bookstore based in, they have a couple of stores, one in Amsterdam and one in The Hague. And they've again been, over the last, oh God, nearly 10 years now, been developing, you know, workshops and uh, evenings where self-publishers are introduced to this aspect, you know, where, look, if we can't, you know... uh, stock 10 or 20 copies of your book you know here's one way where a customer can come in and instead of being told well we don't actually stock that book or it's not available if it's a self-published title book do you know what if it's on the ingram system we've got a machine here if you hang on 10 minutes you know we can run off a copy for you Um, i don't think that aspect has quite taken on in the way that the company that 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 had the rights to the expressive book machine wanted it to you know i know there was an awful lot of link ups with i think kodak for a while you know where you went in and um just like you brought in your your, your stick with the uh, pictures yeah. on it and you produce yeah. but you know and, and th- 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 mm. there's a burgeoning market for that kind of thing you know particularly for photographers i know this has been the background for companies like blurb you know who've really you know um built their business when it started out on photographers and artists uh, wanting to have books we now see so many um advertisements now on tv for services like that so talk to me a little bit about because there's also other aspects for the book industry and the way it works for for you know visual arts and we you know we've talked uh well we haven't talked too much about you know um, enhanced ebooks and interactive ebooks as well, and, and how that maybe ag- again hasn't quite taken off because that's a huge thing for yeah. for yeah. so so talk to me a little bit maybe around that area of, of some of those aspects. Yeah, you know, I think the espresso machine um, 
it, it held great conceptual promise. Mm -hmm. And and there were a number of them that were placed in in independent bookstores here in the states, um, as well as a lot of universities uh, in their libraries at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it, it held a lot of promise. I think um, I think at this point it's not getting a lot of attention that workflow. And I think there are there are two reasons that I would I would identify. One is that. Um, Frankly, the books just didn't look very good, and and when you try and put a print shop and a binding shop in a box in an yeah. independent bookstore and expect that to work consistently, th silly things like uh, if the if the machine had been turned off all day in order okay, to get that book, and, you've got yeah. to turn it on. Yeah, you've got yeah. to heat blew up, and, and you need as, as, as much as I know the American bookstore have dedicated people there, and they re and, and that was. I think one other resource that I heard a number of independent books, I think the old Blackwell stores as well, I think in London also uh, tried to take this on. And the problem was, I said, look, you know, part of the problem, what, the reason why some of these independent bookstores ultimately said, no, we'll give it a year, no, this isn't working, is because they felt they had to have a dedicated person yeah. at any time yeah. there and fully you know, up to speed on how this machine worked, if something got jammed, if something, you know, the, you know, they, they, they almost had to have an operative permanently there, and it just didn't pay them, because you couldn't yeah. ask a, a customer to walk in and press a few buttons, you know, this wasn't like uh, walking your, you know, um, your print scanner at home, this was a quite a substantial size machine that would have terrified you know a customer to be pointed where you want your book yeah go over to that machine and press a few buttons and yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. that was also a part of the interactive you know that that you needed an operative on a small independent bookstore who took on the expense or the leasing of a, a machine like that just it just wasn't a workable you know thing i think maybe in like an institute or university or an academy i think it might work but i think that's one of the fundamental problems i think independent bookstores had with it no question and and i've heard that when i've had the opportunity to check out some of the bookstores that had the, the espresso machine in place um it, it just became more work than they than they expected it, it to turned be. around yeah yeah yeah, and it just wasn't it just wasn't worth it at the end of the day. So I'm not sure that's getting much um, uh, interest at all, frankly, right now. But the, and then the other set, the secondary issue is, um, you know, it, it's it's incredible that that today you can uh, you can you can do you hit that buy me button from Amazon and get a mm -hmm. book in 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 a day. Um, yeah. So that that immediate gratification that was promised with the espresso machine is is less of a concern when the supply chain whether it be from from ingram to a bookstore or uh, amazon to a, a reader uh, a location if you can get that in a day that's not that much longer than than um the few hours that maybe you would, you'd get it in from the espresso machine and you're going to get a full-on a book that looks and smells and feels like a, a real book so f for those two reasons i think um the espresso machine just maybe was ahead of its time perhaps uh um and just never really took off same with with the enhanced ebooks you know the there was so much promise um in, in regards to 
creating this environment of ebooks for uh, readers to go beyond the words and experience the story in a, in a three-dimensional method, but it, it, it almost got to the point where it wasn't a book anymore. Was beginning to become a CD-ROM on a yeah. I, I, <laughs> on a I think that the, the problem is that any publisher or author, as much as they want their platform and channels built into that ebook, you know, well, well, here's my website, here's my social media channels, where you can check out more about them. I think the thing with enhanced ebooks is you can overdo it with so much enhancements that. At every couple of pages, so to speak, in in metaphorical terms, um, you're taking the reader away from, you're directing the reader constantly away to other channels. And I suppose it's like all forms of marketing, you know, whether it's a website, a book, or whatever, you want that captured audience you don't want to be keep directing them away to different places mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i think today um I, I believe more than ever with as much technology and media is in everybody's face all day when somebody picks up a book to a certain extent it's a bit of an escape and and mm -hmm. they just want to focus on that story and the last thing i would want as a reader is um a pop-up that's showing me the the map of the book that I'm yeah, I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want that to happen in my mind's eye. Um, and and I do think that um, that people still are, and I think more so now, using that that paper book, that physical book, as as their their escape from yeah. uh, from some of uh, of modern day's influences. Um, and that's across generations. So, I suppose, as we finalize, should we be afraid or embrace technology for its good and its bad at times? <laughs> we're, uh, we're all scared of those stories about, you know, factory lines that are being replaced with robotic machinery, you know, and I suppose we, we still think about it, you know, much in the same way. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a certainly a, a question that I know we'll be pondering for many years. Many and you years. see every day uh, media um, um, influencers predicting the the future of AI and and taking over our our world. Um, I, on the one aspect, uh, I think you 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 have to believe now that's not possible. And then the other aspect, mm. you can you can see exactly how it would be possible. Um, you know, I think as it relates to uh, uh, to what we do, which is is creating stories and 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 putting it in a vehicle to get to other people to to consume and 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 have dialogue about. Um, I think technology has been uh, has has really created a new world for storytelling and an opportunity for authors and. Um, and everyone, you know, it's cliche, but everyone has a book, whether that's a photography book that they want to publish or a memoir or or an academic uh, product. Um, everyone has a book. And now uh, technology has has made it available for those authors to to get that book out into the world um, for people to consume, whether people want it or not. Uh, the technology is there for them to do that. And I think that's really powerful. So at the moment, I'm I'm still embracing yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> good. That's good. 
Um, <laughs> I suppose let's finish up on an anecdote or a story. I'm, I'm always intrigued because I, when I talk to people in this industry, the service industry, um, they'll always talk to me about the authors who, the, the, the authors, the, the authors who ask the most craziest things. Have you ever had experiences like that? When an author and you went, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, I we, it, it's funny because um, authors are, they're passionate, mm-hmm. they're emotional, they're demanding, and I think that's what that's what's great about mm-hmm. authors working directly with authors. I I love that that passion that authors have, um, and to a certain extent. I, I like to put us in the position of trying to take their passion and and see their vision and, and bring it together for the form of a, of a book. We just had an author come in um, uh, just a week or so ago who uh, she's written a, she's written a book and every 16 pages or so uh, the paper changes color to take on the mood of the story. Oh, okay, yeah. And then at the end, ultimately, the pages are transparent. And this is really important to her. So figuring out how we're going to be able to, in, in somewhat of mass production, print on all of these uh, different colors of paper and then ultimately transparency paper and get that bound into a book that is strong and is going to withstand readings from multiple people, mm-hmm. uh, that's it's going to be a challenge, but that's what we love to do. Uh, at the end of the day, I think anyone can can print a, a standard. Something like that's a, a real challenge. Uh, it's it's satisfying to see it all come together. On that note, Kevin Spell, uh, President and CEO of Thompson Shore, thank you for joining us at Radio Spell today. Thank you, Mick. I really enjoyed it. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. Kevin, take you care. take care, and we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks to um, Kevin for joining us today from uh, Thompson Shore. Uh, plenty more episodes to come up before the end of the year just a reminder as always uh, you can find us at www.radioaspoil.com we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter if you just bang in um, uh, Radio Aspoil uh, all our episodes are broadcast in podcast and videocast uh, we're available on iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, uh, SoundCloud, various other channels. Uh, you can get all the uh, links uh, wherever you see this podcast below. Uh, thanks again. We've plenty more episodes coming up uh, for you before the end of the year. I am going to get back to Malaysia Airlines MH370. I'm hoping to have a... Uh, a guest lined up and we'll talk about that there are some developing episodes on that in recent days here in October again talk to you very soon God bless
Media Aspile, a series of podcasts brought to you across the internet by TIPM Media and presented by investigative journalist Mick Rooney. Please feel free to leave a comment and visit our links provided in this podcast production. Thank you for your support.